This podcast is brought to you by CreatorRank.com, our brand new fantasy football website where you, the fan, can create your own set of customized player rankings. We have a great team putting out content every day in the form of articles, videos, podcasts, and more. We also offer a 20-minute one-on-one chat with our site experts, completely free for 2019. For more, follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank, and check us out on Facebook as well as YouTube. Welcome, welcome to the Create a Dynasty podcast. Tonight, the dynasty is born, baby. Where chasing championships never ends. This fantasy football podcast is brought to you by CreatorRank.com. Follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank. And find us on Facebook and YouTube. The road to glory begins now. As we discuss draft strategy, trade advice, and player evaluation to help you create a dynasty. Yes, it's a dynasty. What's up, everyone? It's FF Big Cat here with the Create a Dynasty podcast. I'm excited to give you guys the second podcast of this week. In this episode, we'll break down some news and notes. We'll preview the college football slate. We'll look back at last week's stars, and we will always do a prospect of the week. But first, let's get the news and notes. Okay, so the fantasy dynasty football news of this week. Uh, a couple big headlines. The first one is the Jets. Sam Darnold has already been ruled out for week two due to mononucleosis. And if you guys know anything about that uh, illness, it, it raises your fatigue level. It makes you lose weight. It's not great for playing sports. But with the Jets' bye week coming in week four, I think this is something where we can expect him probably to come back after that uh, bye week. And the other big dynasty headline is it appears that Darius Geis is likely to undergo surgery. Uh, he met with a doctor in Florida, Dr. James Andrews, one of the most respected minds in the business. Uh, to get a second opinion on his torn meniscus. And Adam Schefter reported that uh, that it is likely that Geis decides to deal with surgery and it would put him out six to eight weeks. So this is a lot longer than we thought. So we talked about in the last episode that Darius Geis' buy window being open. This is something that could keep it open. I know it's another knee injury, but it's to his opposite knee, not the same ACL knee, which is kind of what I expected as an overcompensation uh, coming back so quick. Thank you, Jay Gruden. But um, it's something that I think should open up a buy window and you should be able to be throwing out at like a 2022nd or another young player because I think Darius Geis is the real deal should he get healthy. Now to preview the upcoming college football slate for this weekend. I got four games I'd like to highlight, the first of which takes place on Friday, September 13th. It's a 9.15 p.m. Eastern kickoff on ESPN and it's number 20 Washington State traveling to Houston for the Advocare Texas kickoff. Washington State heads into this game at 2-0, where Houston sits at 1-1 with their one loss being to Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts' amazing uh, Oklahoma debut. For Washington State, their starting quarterback, Anthony Gordon, he's 6'3", 210-pound senior. Through two games, he's 60 of 74 for 884 yards, nine touchdowns, and one interception. So it looks like despite Gardner Minshew going to the NFL and, and now being the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, that air raid offense is alive and well for Mike Leach and the Washington State Cougars. On the other side of the ball, you have Houston and Derek King. Derek King right now is 29 for 53 for 306 yards and three touchdowns, while also adding 21 carries for 102 yards and three rushing touchdowns. But 
the player I'll be focusing on in this matchup is Max Borgie. He's a five foot ten, one hundred ninety seven pound running back for Washington State. Uh, last season, he rushed seventy two times for three hundred sixty six yards and eight rushing touchdowns to go with his receiving of fifty three catches for three hundred seventy four yards and four touchdowns. And if y'all remember correctly, James Williams was there last season and caught eighty three passes as the Cougars running back. So going forward this season. Borgie's already rushed the ball 17 times for 162 yards with three touchdowns and caught the ball five times for 28 yards and a touchdown. I expect these numbers to go up. I know James Williams was a draft darling of mine. He didn't really pan out yet in the NFL. We'll see if that happens. But going forward, I think Max Borgie has a lot more talent than James Williams does, and he's a lot more fluid of an athlete, believe it or not. And I would like to see what he can do with some more volume, and he'll be a guy I'm trying to watch going forward. As much as I like Houston and how much of a gamer that Derrick King is for Houston, Washington State's a 9.5-point favorite on the road. I'm going to take that. The air raid offense, I'm not sure. Houston's defense is up to the task. Oklahoma shredded them, and I would expect uh, Gordon to do the same through the air for the Washington State Cougars. The next game I'll be watching is Pittsburgh traveling to Penn State, number 13 Penn State. That is a noon kickoff on ABC on Saturday, September 14th. Penn State right now is a 17.5-point favorite. Um, I love to see the interstate rivalry here with Pittsburgh and Penn State, and I'm happy that they're, they're, they're playing this game early in the season. The big-name player for Pitt is Maurice French. Uh, he is a 5'11", 200-pound wide receiver. Through two games, he's got 16 catches for 192 yards and a touchdown, and this dude is fast. We're talking about Jalen Rieger-type fast. He can fly, and Pittsburgh uses him all over the field to get the ball in his hands and let him run. And on the other side, Penn State features two prospects I'm looking out for. The first is Sean Clifford, sophomore, six foot two, 216-pound quarterback. For the season, he's thrown for 559 yards, six touchdowns with no interceptions. And the player that I'm most watching in this game is sophomore wide receiver K.J. Hamler. He's 5'9", 176-pound player. He had seven catches for 177 yards and two touchdowns thus far this season. Last year as a freshman, he had 42 catches for 754 yards and four touchdowns. I think Hamler's a name that should be on your radar for the draft of 2021. I think he can be a good NFL football player, and I think he can be a good fantasy football player as well. With the line being at 17.5, it is an in-state rivalry. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be closer than that, but it's a game I think Penn State will win running away. The next game I want to highlight is because I think it'll be a fun offensive game is number 21 Maryland traveling to Temple. What Maryland is doing right now on offense is amazing. In their first game, they won. 79 to nothing over Howard and last week they hosted the number 21 Syracuse Orange and defeated them 63 to 20 and new head coach Mike Loxley has that offense clicking. Maryland is led by Virginia Tech transfer junior Josh Jackson, 6 foot 2, 218 pound signal caller. So far in the season he's thrown for 541 yards and seven touchdowns with one pick, which doesn't seem that impressive based on those scores, but he's barely playing in the second half of these games. And I think the name that fantasy owners should be aware of is Anthony McFarland Jr. He's a sophomore running back, 5 foot 9, 198 pounds for the Terrapins. Again, he hasn't played very much because of these blowouts, but in his two games he's got 20 carries for 93 yards and four rushing touchdowns to go along with three catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. Last season, he ran for over a 1,000 yards as a freshman, which is crazy good in the Big Ten. He is a name that I think could turn into that scat back type role where he may not be a first-round pick in your rookie drafts in 2021, but he definitely adds a different flavor and a style, almost a Tyreek Hill type ability to move the ball and run around for an offense. So he's somebody I'm keeping an eye on as, a, as a, probably a second-round or a third-round pick in the 2021 class, should he declare. This game takes place on Saturday, September 14th at noon on CBS Sports. Maryland is a seven-point favorite. I'm, I'm going to take that. 10 times out of 10. Maryland is so explosive on offense right now. I think seven points is going to be an easy cover for them. Give me the Terrapins by a whole lot. 
And the last game I want to cover takes place on Saturday the 14th as well at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, Stanford travels to number 17, Central Florida. Central Florida has looked impressive thus far this season, defeating Florida A&M 62 to nothing, and then traveling to Florida Atlantic and beating them 48 to 14. The Knights are led offensively by Gabriel Davis, a 6'3", 212-pound junior wide receiver. Thus far this season, he's had six catches for 166 yards and two touchdowns. So that's good for a 27.5-yard average. He is a deep threat. He is a playmaker. I expect him to break a couple against Stanford this week. And on the other side, Stanford features quarterback K.J. Costello, who missed last week with a head injury. And he'll head into this week looking to rebound after a loss to USC. And Costello's favorite target is Colby Parkinson. He's a tight end thus far this season. He has 11 catches for 127 yards, but has yet to find the end zone. I would expect Costello to Parkinson to be a vital part of this game. And I think that Stanford should keep this a lot closer than the spread that currently has the Knights as eight and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Stanford straight up in this one, actually. I think KJ Costello bounces back from that injury. And I think Stanford could head into Orlando and defeat the Knights at home. This week's stars of the week are a lot more notable players, specifically a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. This week, my quarterback of the week is Joe Burrow from LSU. He defeated Texas last week 45-38 to in one heck of a game. He completed 31 passes on 39 attempts, throwing for 471 yards and four touchdowns to just one interception. It's awesome to see the LSU offense move into the 21st century, and Joe Burrow has them clicking to go with that great defense. LSU is a real contender, folks, and Alabama should be on watch out. Although Joe Burrow won't get the hype that Tua Tagovailoa Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert will get. I think Joe Burrow has, has proven himself this year that he can play at that next level, and he might be a mid-round pick to keep your eye on, much like Gardner Minshew was this year where he's gotten the opportunity in Jacksonville. We've yet to see what he can do as a full-time starter, but he looked good in his first game. Joe Burrow is a sneaky player I'm looking forward to in the NFL. My running back star of the week is junior running back Cam Akers from Florida State. Last week, Florida State defeated ULM 45-44 to in overtime, but Akers was a star of the show. He carried the ball 36 times for 193 yards and two touchdowns while catching five passes for 55 yards and another score. Akers is currently my number five running back in the 2020 class, and I think Part of the reason that he was being held back, he has the talent. He was the number one running back in his high school class when he came out. Part of it is Florida State not being a great football team, and I think he is showing that he can do well despite Florida State not being a great football team, and it's exciting to see him catching the ball as well as running the ball. Akers should be a very high dynasty pick in all of your rookie drafts. I wouldn't expect him to fall outside of your top six. And at wide receiver, probably my favorite player in the country is sophomore wide receiver Rondale Moore. Last week in a 42-24 win over Vanderbilt, Moore posted 13 catches for 220 yards and one touchdown, which puts his stats for the season at 24 catches for 344 yards and two touchdowns. Obviously, we'd like to see a little bit more touchdown production from the 5'9", 180-pound sophomore. He is going to be one of those players in the NFL that's going to catch the ball, run after the catch, and be explosive with the ball in his hands. With Rondale Moore, I'm excited. I, I really wish he was in the 2020 class because I think he's good enough to go pro after this season, but unfortunately, we have to wait until 2021. As far as his ranking is concerned, he is my number one wide receiver in the class of 2021 and he's probably the number two Debbie wide receiver right now behind Jerry Judy from Alabama in the 2020 class. For week two, my tight end star of the week is Brevin Jordan from the University of Miami. I know we talked about him in week zero when they played Florida, but this past week against North Carolina, they lost 25 to 28, but Brevin Jordan posted six catches for 73 yards and continues to look super athletic, and he's going to be a great tight end in the 2021 class. I'm very excited to see what he can do as a move piece, as a matchup nightmare for NFL teams. And through two weeks of college football, Brevin Jordan leads all tight ends in receiving yards with 161. And now, the prospect of the week. Of the week. The prospect of the week this week is South Florida tight end Mitchell Wilcox, the redshirt senior, six foot five, two hundred and forty-five pounds. 
part of the start of the year, he played in 28 games, having 72 receptions for 976 yards and six receiving touchdowns, which puts him over 13.5 yards per catch. Hall of Fame scout Gil Brand actually has Mitchell Wilcox tabbed as the number four tight end in the 2020 class, due in part to being placed on the John Mackey Award watch list in both 2017 and 2018, which is given out annually to the nation's top collegiate tight end. Wilcox holds the USF records for receiving yards by a tight end in a career, as well as a single-season record for receptions and yardage by a tight end. Both of these were good enough to put Wilcox on the first team of the American Athletic Conference in 2018. What really excites me about Mitchell Wilcox is his ability to block. As we saw this week with TJ Hawkinson breaking out, you have to be able to play both sides of the football there. You have to be able to block, you have to be able to catch, and that'll get you on the field early in your career and get you more opportunities. And Mitchell Wilcox, so far this season, despite the Bulls being 0-2, he's seen four catches for 71 yards, but he's been very important in the Bulls' ability to run the football as well. I'm excited to see what he can do. He may not be a flashy guy, but he is one of those players that I think will find a way out of the field in the NFL, and he will contribute. All right, folks, and that's all the time we have for today. I really appreciate you listening into the Created Dynasty podcast. Feel free to find me on Twitter at FFBigCat. Drop me your start and sit questions. Ask me dynasty trade questions. I'm here to answer them. Love to answer them. While you're there, follow us on Twitter at Create a Rank. Have a good one. Everyone knows that fantasy football podcasts are more fun when they're customized to you in your league. So check out our guys over at CPMC over on CreatorRank.com. This service offers a fully customizable podcast for your fantasy football league. They will evaluate rosters, give power rankings, do mock drafts, give out draft grades, suggest trades, preview playoffs, and anything else your league needs. Find them on Twitter at CPMC Podcast and creatorrank.com forward slash product forward slash CPMC.